Greetings and welcome back to another ongoing series of Shurim and Dafyomi. My name is Yitzchak at Shalom. We are now in Masechet Kiddushin Daf Yod Zayin Amud Aleph, um, about uh, eighth of the way down, sixth of the way down in the Amud. Tanara Banan. We're about to go into the details of the mitzvah Ha'anaka of giving gifts to the Ebedivi when he leaves. In the last sugya, we dealt with which avadim, or upon which sort of exits an Ebed Ivri gets Hanaka, now how much does he get? So the keep sukim I put as the first three sukim on the page. Tan Rabbanan, Kama Ma'anikim, Mohammed, do we give? First opinion, Chamesh Slaim Mikom Minumin. The Torah says, Tsoncha Gonchamik Vecha, from your flock, from your granary, and from your winery, or from your wine press, uh, wine cellar. So you give them five Slaim from each. Shen Chamesh Sway Slaim, Tiver Mayor. Rameer does a little bit of uh, counting for us, <coughs> a calculation. It says 5 plus 5 plus 5 is 15, which, of course, we all understand. We'll see why he does it. Rabbi Yehuda Omer Shloshim says the total has to be 30. Kishloshim Shalavit. Rabbi Yehuda does not mark down 10 from each, just says a total of 30. Like the 30 that are given as a fine to a master of a slave, an Evid Kanani, who is killed by another person's shore, he has to pay 30. Rabbi Shimon Omer Chamishim. 50, which is the highest amount uh, in the system of donations known as Arachin in Vayikra Chaf Zayin. Now, let's take a look at this. Amamar, Chamesh Slaim, Mikominu Min, Shem Chamesh Slaim, Rameir. Rameir, Yonat, Lashminin, Rameir is just coming to add 5 times 5 plus 5 plus 5. Hakamashman, Mivtza, Hurlaban, Mivtza, Leimi, He's trying to tell you you can't have any less than this amount. Mibatza, Leimi, Chad, Mina. But if he gives them, let's say, four of one and six of another, that's okay as long as the total is 15. That's why he gives the total. My Mayor, why does he say 15 or five times three? In our parsha, it says you can't send him away empty. And in the parsha of Aliyala Regal, in parsha Kitisa, it says, "My, I shall not, you shall not appear before me empty." Uh, and you shall appear with your firstborn sons. Now, what is the redemption of our firstborn son? Malan chamesh slaim. It's five. Avkan chamesh slaim. Here also, it's five. Ve'ema chamesh slaim kulu. So maybe the total is five, not fifteen. So ikti ve'kam levasof. If it said at the end, meaning after it listed what you have to give him, and it said don't send him away empty, kedikamar. Then I would say, good, you have to give him all this stuff and not rekam, meaning five. But now that it says, don't send him away empty, rather give him from your flock, from your granary, and from your wine cellar. Rekam then goes on each one of them, and Rekam means anything less than five, so he has to have at least five from each. That, by the way, if you think about it, goes against our analysis of our mayor's calculation and indicates that he has to have at least five from each, and it's not okay to give him six from one or four from the other. Okay, Vanema Rekam Rekam Mi Olat after all, the Torah says, you shall not appear before me empty-handed, and there it's shtek asef, it's not five. But the Torah, at the end of this parsha of, of, of Hanukkah, says, as God blessed you. So if you have a choice between the lower amount and the higher amount, we'll take the higher amount as per the blessing. That's Rameir. In our parsha it says... Give him as God blessed you. And in the case of Evid, Evid, uh, Evid being killed, uh, you should have to give Shloshim. It says, You have to give to his master. So the same word, Yitain, 
creates a, a Gzera Shava. On Shloshim of Kan Shloshim. So if you want to do that, go to Arachin, where they also have the word Yitain. You have to give the Arach. So Malan Chamishim of Kan Chamishim. So we have two answers. Chada Tafasta Mubalo Tafasta. Tafasta Mubalo Tafasta. Whenever you have a choice to take a larger amount or a smaller amount, stay on sure ground and take the smaller amount. Uh, we know the Torah demanded 30, maybe the Torah didn't demand 50. It's also more reasonable to learn a case about slaves from another case about slaves. Yes, this is an Eved Ivri, and yes, this one's alive, and yes, he's going free, and yes, it's a gift, and that one's an Eved Kanani, and he's dead, and it's going to the Master. Nonetheless, it's still in the Parsha of Avadim, as opposed to Arachin, which is all different. Rabbi Shimon Omer Hamishim. So now we have to play the arguments that we saw for Yehuda why he did not go to 50, and now see how they responded to Rabbi Shimon who did go to 50. That's what we think. That he did what we suggest Rabbi Yehuda do. Why don't we take the smallest Erech, which is 5? So the answer is, Again, we say, Hashibarachah tells us, if you have a choice within them, go for the larger one. Now, it, just parenthetically, you notice that the the discussion is taking us in two opposite directions. One is tafasta below tafasta. You always go for the lower amount. The other one is hashabaracha. You go for the higher amount. Well, that's really not a not a contradiction because it's talking about two different playing fields. When we have two different systems and decide which system to plug into, we say tafasta mo tafasta. I can only go with the sure ground. Once I'm in that system, though, Asherah tells me to go for the greater blessing within that system. And so, therefore, if you're going to take Arachin, take the biggest of Arachin. Okay, V'neilaf and of Kan So why does he do like Rabbi Yehuda does? And we have reasons for that. The arguments we used. So the answer is Rabbi Shimon Micha Micha Gamar. He did not learn Netinatina, where we would have the alternative of going to Eved. Rather, he learned from the word mach. If he is too poor to pay erech, so therefore that puts us into the parsha of Arachin, and kiamuchachicha, and sells himself into avdut, so the word mach, poor, shows up both in Arachin and shows up in the context of an Ebedivri, and that's his connection. Now, that's all three opinions. Now, I understand why the Torah wrote Tzoran Gorn Vayekev, telling me you have to give five of each, and he says you specifically have to give from those ty- from those types. You have to give five ksafim works, five slaim worth of sheep, etc. Because remember, they did not stipulate ten or um, twelve and a third from each. Rather, they just stipulated. Uh, um, they stipulated 30 total or 50 total. Uh, sorry, that would be 16 and a third. Um, um, that's uh, how they stipulated. So, why did, the, why does it mention it? So, Haim Baile Vichetanya, Korob Yehuda, Rabbi Shimon, we need Son of Gorn Vayakev as per the following Brighta. Yacholo, Yumaniki, Malamit Son Gorn Vayakev, I might think that all you can give is Son Gorn Vayakev, which by the way is what Ramir says, Minando about Koldavar, how do I know that I can give anything? I can give other kind of fruit, and I can give other kind of animals. And Torah says, as God blessed you. So why does the Torah give those three examples? Find the highest common denominator between Songar and Vayakev. There are things which are associated with Bracha. They are things which reproduce, they are things which give greater wealth, and they are things associated with Simcha. 
Of course, there's no mechlal bracha. Yatsuk safim to Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon says the one thing that's excluded is money. Money is money. It's a vehicle for bracha, but it's not itself the the um, the object of bracha. When Yaakov Omer Yatsu Pradot, he says mules or any other sterile animals are out. Now, Rabbi Shimon, he says, Pradot Bishabchan Begufayu. They can, the individual mule can become stronger and healthier and become worth more. When Yaakov says, He won't knock out money because money, you could invest and make money out of it. So it is a source of bracha. Utsricha. Now, the question is, why do we need Tzon Gorn Vayakev? If the Torah only wrote son, I would think that there has to be animals. The Rachmana Gorn, therefore the Torah said the granary. Vikatav Gorn, if all it said was the granary, I would think that it has to be produce of the ground, but not animals. So Tzon and Gorn are easy, uh, easily explained um, as, uh, as balancing and opening the vistas up of the possibilities of uh, of Hanaka um to to various types but yakov lamali what do i need yakov for the answer is lamar the mutek safim according to bishimon it's there it's according to blazon yakov it's there sorry according to bishimon it's there to eliminate safim right lamar the mutek pradot according to blazon yakov it's there to exclude pradot Okay, Tanavana, Shibracha Dunai Luacha. It's an interesting question is the Torah said, Give him Hanaka as Hashem has blessed you. Well what if the Evid worked in your house and things didn't get any better? Matter of fact, your household suffered during the time. So how what, how do we interpret this Pasuk? I might think that we should only give him Hanaka if the house actually was blessed as a result of his presence. Therefore the Torah says, Hanek Tanik, indeed give him a gift. So why does the Torah say Give him based on the bracha, meaning um, if the household really was blessed, then give him even more. Or perhaps it means give him of the types of things where the household was blessed. Read the pasuk straight up. You only give him the gifts if, as a result of his being there, you gained. So, according to Nazario, why does it say Hanek Tanik, which according to Tanakama was there to tell him, tell you, give it to him anyways? The answer is Dibrat Torah Kilshon Bnei Adam, as we saw Rabbi Shmuel's opinion several times. Dibrat Torah Kilshon Bnei Adam. Here, Rabbi Elazar Nazario expresses the same idea. That's the way the Torah's rhetoric works, Hanek Tanik. But it doesn't mean that you have to give it to him. In any case, Asher Rachacha is the guiding passage. Tanarabanan. Now we now have a short brayta, and then the explication of that brayta will take us to the end of this podcast. Eved Ivri, Ovedet Abain Vein Ovedet Abat. And Eved Ivri works for the son of the fellow he sold himself to, or was sold to, but not to his daughter. Which means that if the man dies and there's only a daughter who inherits, he goes free. Amma Ivriya, Ein Ovedet Lot Abain Vlot Abat. When the master dies, she goes free. Hanirtsav Anim Karlovid Kochavim, as somebody who's an Eved Nirtsa, has his ear uh, punched out. Or, if a Jew is sold to a non-Jew, he does not work for any heir. Let's take them apart, one at a time. And Eved Ivri only works for the son, but not the daughter. In the parsha of Eved Ivri, in Re'ei, it says, He shall work for you for six years. You and not your heir. 
That's referring to another heir. Maybe it means Avadcha, he works for you, and nobody else, not even your son. In the Parshat Mishpatim, it says he works for six years, meaning he works, without saying for you. He works for six years, So the idea is, if he sells himself to you, or he's sold to you, he works on the estate for six years, whether to you or to your son. But Avadcha, he works for you, is there to limit and say he will not work for another heir. So why are you saying, why are you including the son and knocking out another heir like the brother? So the answer is, I'm going to include the son because the son takes the place of the father when it comes to Yud. After all, if the father decides that he does not want to marry the Amevreya, he is son may. If the father dies, the son then takes over the role of the owner of the Steachuza, um, vis-a-vis if the man is maktishit, how the son inherits it. So the son takes the role of the father. You think about it, the most powerful example of somebody standing in the place of a dead person is a, is a brother for Yibum. So the brother is the most likely one to step into his shoes. So the answer is no. The only reason there's Yibum is because there is no son. If there's a son, there's no Yibum. So you can't argue that the, that the brother has a stronger position of stepping into his dead brother's shoes than the son to his father's, because if the son were around, the brother would not be able to step in. But wait a second. You're only saying it because of that Pircha. Meaning of the pircha that that without the that the yibum only happens because there is no son. Halav hachi achadif. If it wasn't in that pircha, you would prefer the brother. In other words, we suggested that we that the brother would be the more likely stand-in. And then, um, and then we shot that down by saying no, because the only reason that the yibum works is because there is no son. But if you didn't have that, then we would prefer the brother. But typically, the hachatarta why don't we just take the simpler explanation, which is that in the case of the son, there's two things that he stands in for, which are Yi'ud and Steachuza, and Hachachara in the brother only has one. So even if Yibum is a strong argument, it's still only one opposed to two. The answer is Steachuza Nami, the discussion in Masachat Arachin about Steachuza, where we're not sure whether the brother or the son steps in for the father. In that case, we said, how do, do the Steachuza, who steps in? Is it the son, because of Yud, or the brother, because of Yibum? And Yibum would be stronger, except for the fact that without the, that Yibum only happens because there's no son. Cause, so it's this exact question that turns everything on its head. Okay, Amayivriya, Amayivriya doesn't work for either son or daughter. The minute the master dies, she's free. In a most unusual passage, the text says that if the Eved, this is in the Parshan Re'eh, Ritziah shows up twice in Mishpatim and in Re'eh. So the Torah says that if the, um, if the Eved loves his master and says, I want to stay with you, and then he pierces his ear, right, and then he, uh, you allow him to stay, and you do the same for your Amah, which sounds like an Amah can also have, a, a, a maidservant can also have Ritziah. 
Now let's see how this works. What do we know about an Evid Nirza? An Evid Nirza does not work for either heir. The minute the master dies, that's the reason he stayed. I love my master. The minute the master dies, he goes free. Same thing with an Amevriya. Is that what it's there for? I mean, we need it for this bride. To teach me that the Amma also gets Hanaka. Because we did not know that a girl gets Hanaka. We only knew about a male slave. Maybe that is telling me that she can also have Ritzia. But in the Parsha Mishpatim, Ritzia is introduced if indeed the slave will say, I love my master. So Ritzia is out. You shall do the same for your Amah. It's not Ritzia, it's referring to the earlier passage of Ha'anaka. So then it should have said, my ta'ase. Why do you say va'afla matcha ta'ase? Kain shamit minatarti. There's two things for which the ama is compared to the eved nirtsa. One is she gets ha'anaka, and second is that she goes free if the master dies. Now the last one in the brayta was a nirtsa vanim karla obed kochav. These are two: an eved nirtsa or an eved that's sold to a non-Jew. Of course, this is a non-Jew who's under our jurisdiction. Otherwise, the discussion doesn't begin. Uh, goes free with the death of the master. Now, the master shall pierce his ear, and he is his slave forever. So that was easy. How do I know it if he's sold to a non-Jew? In the case of a Jew sold to a non-Jew, he says he tries to work out the finances with the one who bought him. Not with his heirs. As we're reading, Koneo was being only the one who bought him and not his heirs. Okay, that's the statement. So you can see from here that a non-Jew's inheritance of his father is something the Torah recognizes. Because the Torah recognizes that he has Yorshim, and the Torah then has to go out of its way to exclude an Eved from being passed down to that Yorish. Now, Gerita Ovid Kochavim, but a Ger inheriting from his father who's an Ovid Kochavim, ain't no Midiritova, Elamidivisofim. That's not Midoraita. It's Midorabanan. That a Ger, a convert, would inherit from his non Jewish father. Did none. How do we know? Ger Ovid Kochavim, submission to my Ger Ovid Kochavim, Shiarshut Avim Ovid Kochavim. If a Ger and his brother, the non Jew, inherited from their non Jewish father, and we'll say here pagan father, you'll see why in a minute. So the convert can say to his brother, You take the idols and I'll take the money. You take the libated wine. I'll take the grapes. Now, if it all came into his house, then I swear, then he can't switch anymore. Because then it's If you think the inheritance even when he didn't take it yet, He's taking He's taking swapping from Avodah which is also Bahanot. It's Midrabanan. And why did the rabbis allow such a thing? We don't want the Ger to suddenly feel terrible. My father died. I don't get to inherit anything. I think I'm going to go back to join that religion. So we say, okay, you can inherit. 
But the fact that it's the Rabbanon means that when the father dies, we don't consider that material to be the gares. And therefore, he can divide it up, not taking the idolatrous, pagan, prohibited materials, allow that to his brother, and everything is fine. So the Yerusha of a non-Jew from his non-Jewish father is Daraita. The Yerusha of a ger from his non-Jewish father is Darabonon. This is only true if they inherited it. If they made a partnership together, then Asur, then they can't divide up because then the Ger is getting benefit from the Avodazara. It's called Tachlifi Avodazara because he's saying, in place of the idols that I'm going to give you, I'll take money. Well, that money is now something that was benefited to him by virtue of his giving up, giving the Avodazara to somebody else. What about the opposite? Let's say somebody converts and he has a son, and the son is still not Jewish. Or he converts and his son converts. So from that, there is no Yerusha. How do we know? Let's say a man converted and his whole family converted with him. But remember, they're not technically related to each other now. You borrowed from the Ger. If he died, you don't return the money to his sons. And if you did return it, the Chacham aren't so happy about it. We have another bright that says they are happy about it. They think that's a good thing. So, In the case where the son that you're returning it to was conceived and born before the conversion, then they're not happy about it. He's really disconnected. But if he was born then um, uh, then uh, they're happy with it. Rashi actually reads it the opposite way. He says, if the son was born after the father had already converted, um, then they're concerned that it, you will make you will just, uh, you will uh, confuse him for a real Israel, and therefore by returning the money, you're sort of uh, misleading as to what his uh, what his status is. Okay, he had a different source than Rav. Remember, Rav had it from our pasuk. He says, "I can prove to you that an Ovid Kochavim inherits from his father." God says, "I gave the land of Seir as an inheritance to Esav, which we assume now that he got from his father Yitzchak, <clears throat> and and this is all pre-Matan Torah, and therefore it's all of the Dean of uh, Bnei Noach." He inherited, because God says, I gave it to his inheritance, and therefore you, Bnei Israel, cannot take it from him. V'dilma Yisrael Mumershani, but maybe we should consider Esav not as an Akum, but rather as a Yisrael Mumar. In other words, an apostate Jew. God says, you cannot take Moab, you cannot take Ammon. In your travels, you have to go around, which of course leads us to the war with Sichon and Og, because that is an inheritance given to Bnei Lot. Uh, so why didn't he, quoting Rabbi Yochanan, like Rava's reason for Chishav and Koneu, he says, I don't like the implication. I mean, I don't like, I, I'm not sensitive to the same implication you are, that Chishav and Koneu means you reckon with the one who bought you and not with his heirs. Maybe it means him or his heirs. And why didn't Rava consider Chia Baravin's proof from Bnei Lot? Because the reason there was HaKadosh Baruch Hu was considering the, the honor of Avram and saying, you know what, Lot is a relative of Avram, therefore you've got to leave his land alone. But it doesn't mean technically that there's a Yerusha there. Okay, we'll stop at this point, and we're going to see another bright, uh, which we'll compare an Ivri and an Ivriya, etc. And uh, then we'll work our way through that. 
as we continue in our investigation of the laws of an Ebed Ivri and an Amma Ivri. Everyone should have a wonderful day.